Hello, and welcome to episode six of the Through the Grapevine podcast. I am your host, Uta Mitchell, and I am so excited to be back. Now, I know I said I was going to record a couple of episodes while in Germany, and I had the best intentions, I promise. I even started writing a script for an episode, and then I just did not have the time to get it done. Now I know how that sounds. Poor gal, she's on vacation and has no time. Boo-hoo. But, well, it's true. It's actually true. I stayed with my parents for the first two weeks. And my parents, both in their 70s, are super active, healthy people who like to do things. And so we went and did the things, all the things. We walked and walked and walked and we drove to places and saw some gorgeous sights and we drank some new wine and uh, it was it was just wonderful. It was truly all around a wonderful time with them. They left after two weeks to go back to their island in the Mediterranean, which is where they spent their winters. And I moved on to my brother's house and stayed with his family. And of course, During that time, I was plenty busy playing with the kids and I met some old friends from preschool and hung out with with all kinds of wonderful people. I celebrated my birthday, of course. I walked in the vineyards. I got to eat grapes right off the vine after harvest, which was so beautiful. We we talked, we talked so much. It was so great to see my brother after three and a half years and everything just fell right back into place as if nothing had ever happened, as if, you know, as if we'd just seen each other yesterday. It was, it was gorgeous. It was beautiful, wonderful. Of course, then my husband came at the end of September and we traveled to France and this trip was so great. We went to Bonn, to Burgundy. Bonn is the capital of Burgundy or the wine capital of Burgundy. And we visited a couple of wineries. Specifically, I will always remember very fondly Maison Champy. That is the oldest wine house in Burgundy. And it was amazing. I'm going to be using the word amazing a lot today, so just bear with me. (laughs) I booked an English tour, and we just had the best experience walking the cellars, listening to this long history dating all the way back to 1710. When you think about that kind of history for a winery, it makes you really realize how young our Oregon wine country is. The oldest vines in Oregon were planted... Uh, I want to say 1973. It might be 1974. If you're local, check out Elk Cove. They have vines dating back to that time. I know I've seen 1974 for some of the vines. And I remember that because that's my birth year. That's how old I am. So there you go. (laughs) Anyway, we then traveled from Bonn to Paris. We saw all the sites, which was also just mind-blowing. I don't know if you've ever seen Versailles, but that might just be the most pompous place I've ever seen in my entire life. Just, I was blown away. 
I don't think I don't think you can really imagine this if you've never seen it in person. You can't truly understand how gigantic it really is until you're standing in front of it and you're gone. I mean, holy shit, who needs a place this big? <laughs> uh, we saw, you know, Montmartre and Sacré-Cœur, which Sacré-Cœur was beautiful. We walked all the way up, which is a lot of stairs, as you can imagine, all the way up. Had the best sight of the entire city. We we ate good food. We drank good wine. It was great. After Paris, we did a quick stopover in Reims, and I got to visit Veuve Clicquot Champagne House. Now, you all know, if you've been listening to previous episodes, that I've done an episode on the Veuve Clicquot, and it was just so wonderful to go there and hear the story as told by this French tour guide, winery tour guide, walking into the chalk cellars and thinking about La Grande Dame who started it all. Oh, wonderful. Finally, our last stop was Colmar. Colmar is very close to the German border and I have never been to a more picturesque town. We stayed there for two days and never needed a car, which is awesome. We did everything on foot and it was great because literally you could see so much, a small town, so much to see. And a very special surprise was that we ran into one of my mom's cousins who happened to be visiting Colmar from Germany that same time. It was incredible, especially because the last time I saw this guy was when I was just a little girl. And he was already an adult at that point. He's about 20 years older than me, maybe not quite, almost 20 years older than me. Um, and the only reason that I even thought to talk to him is because he made a phone call and he said his first and last name. And I recognized the last name as my mother's maiden name. I mean, what are the odds? I was so thrilled. And we talked for two hours over drinks afterwards and kept bringing up the craziness of this happening, which my poor husband had to listen to a lot of German during that two hours. <laughs> I, of course, came home with just wonderful experiences. I felt so rich and so happy. And I can honestly say that I enjoyed every single day of that five weeks in Germany and France. And I truly lived life to the fullest. I can't always say that I do, but I did during that time. So, yeah. Well, quick little intro. We're what, like seven minutes into this? <laughs> it is November. We're going to talk about Thanksgiving and wine. And I'm going to talk about a couple of amazing women in the wine industry. And then we'll see where that takes us. So with Thanksgiving around the corner, I have to just say how amazed I am, how fast this year went. I don't know about you, but I can't believe that it's 
already, like almost winter, especially the past couple of months raced by. And I'm sure that's because I was in Germany. Um, but what is really weird is I came back from Germany where the weather was definitely already fall-ish. I mean, we wore sweaters and jackets and we came back to Oregon and temperatures were still stuck in the 80s. This was October 11th. We had temperatures in the 80s. So it was like coming back to summer. Summer temperatures stuck around for a couple more weeks and then bam, Pineapple Express, atmospheric river. River, We, we got rain. We got so much rain. It felt like we had an entire summer's rain dumped on us in a week. And all the green leaves turned red and yellow within 24 hours. I, I literally saw it happen overnight. It's It was crazy. But back on topic, I wanted to talk about Thanksgiving and wine. Do you know, or have you take a guess, do you know which wine is the most popular wine to go with a Thanksgiving dinner? I'm going to give you a hint. It's red. Another hint, it's on the lighter side, red fruit, and it doesn't overpower the food it is served with. So you can already rule out, you know, Cabernet Sauvignon, you can rule out Tempranillo, Malbec, all of those bigger ones. If you guess Pinot Noir, then you are absolutely right. Pinot is the classic Thanksgiving wine. Pinot Noir is grown in many regions of the world. Of course, Oregon is known as the Pinot capital of the United States. Oregon Pinot Noirs have this lovely structure with floral notes, red fruit, hints of vanilla. But I have also seen some bolder ones with hints of smoke. Pinot Noir is usually on the drier side with soft tannins and an easy finish. Now, returning from Burgundy not too long ago, I'm finding that Oregon Pinots and Burgundy Pinots are remarkably similar, similar in flavor. Though I will say that maybe an Oregon Pinot Noir is a little more on the earthy side. But both wines offer layers of flavors, but again, are not overpowering the food. They will pair beautifully with all things Thanksgiving. Turkey, mashed potatoes, gravy, cranberries, beans, you name it. Pinot Noir just really goes well with your Thanksgiving dinner. And if I could make a personal recommendation, why not try an Oregon Pinot Noir? Easily available around the country are brands like Elk Cove, Beaufrere, or Four Graces. Another wine to go with your Thanksgiving dinner is a Beaujolais, or you might even go for a Beaujolais Nouveau. The Nouveau is unoaked, fermented as whole clusters, so with the stem in stainless steel. This wine is released very soon after harvest, on the third Thursday of November to be exact, so very easy to drink wine. Its main complexity, it gets from the whole cluster fermentation that adds some layers of flavors to the wine that might not otherwise be there if it was just the grapes. 
Now, if red wine is not really your thing, you could go for a white wine like a Sauvignon Blanc. You can get Sauvignon Blanc in Oregon, from California. Uh, I might even try one from New Zealand or from France, of course. Um, Sauvignon Blanc is nice because it has higher acidity and low to medium alcohol. I think it's so important to remember that wine isn't necessarily just about quenching thirst or getting as high an alcohol percentage as possible. Especially when it comes to a lovely Thanksgiving dinner, wine is all about accompaniment, about bringing out the flavors. It is part of the meal. A nice wine to drink before or after your dinner or with your pie or other dessert could be a nice sparkling wine. Remember, though, when I talked about sparkling wine in a previous episode, then it, when it says brut, so B-R-U-T on the bottle, it will be quite dry. I like a dry sparkling wine, but it is not a great accompaniment for a sweet dessert. I might go for a demi-sec. It's not the sweetest of sparkling wines, but sweet enough not to be complete contrast to your dessert. When it comes to dessert, I like the wine to complement the dessert. I find the very dry sparkling wine will quickly become tasteless when served with a sweet dessert. Now, of course, don't forget to hydrate. With all of this rich food and wine, it is very easy to forget to hydrate. Keep that water around and drink it. Your body will thank you for it when you go to bed at night and you aren't completely dehydrated. You probably don't know this about me. I was a nutrition coach in a previous life and sometimes she still comes through. I can't help myself. Water is great because it flushes toxins, it carries nutrients to your cells, and, well, it helps you poop. And there's nothing worse after Thanksgiving than to feel tired because of dehydration and to feel constipated from all the potatoes and pie. Take my word for it. Water's important. Now, where do you buy your wine? It can be as simple as the grocery store. If you want a little more help, find a wine store, maybe go to Total Wine or order from wine.com or other online places. Sometimes those websites, by the way, are really great to just do your research. Take wine.com, for example. You can do a search by wine, by region, by price, by rating, and it'll show you a number of wines with the winemaker notes and the ratings. You can, like I said, sort it by price. You can go, I want to, you know, have a wine under $20, under $40, under $60. So really great resource. Another really great way to get your wine for Thanksgiving is to check out the McBride Sisters Wine Company. And here we are talking about the women for today's episode. You know, of course, that I'm all about featuring women in the wine industry. And the McBride Sisters were among the speakers at the Women in Wine Oregon conference this past summer. And their story is so great. Robin and Andrea have the same father, but different mothers. Robin grew up in California, and Andrea, the younger sister, grew up in New Zealand. 
For many years, the sisters didn't even know about each other. Their father had never told them that they had a sister. Shortly before he died of cancer, though, he asked his family to try to get the sisters together. And so the family, who knew Andrea, set out to find Robin. What's so great is that both of the girls had a passion for wine, and they found that passion independently from each other. In 2010, of course, they met in the 1990s. Like, I think I, I want to say they met in 1999. So in 2010, they started their own wine company, McBride Sisters. And now, of course, they're super successful. They sell wines grown in California and in New Zealand. And I'm telling you right now, their labels are gorgeous. And the wine I did have an opportunity to try was just delicious. What makes this story extra awesome, though, is that these two are not just women. They're black women in a white male-dominated industry. It took determination and grit to get to where they are today. They also started a foundation, the She Can Fund, which provides grants, scholarships, mentorships, and training to professional women. And of course, they have a special place for Black women-owned businesses. I will have the links to the wine company as well as the fund in the notes. It is giving season, so if you want to support other women, then you have the option to read everything on the website and then maybe make a donation. Women are a worthy cause. I love what is written on the fund's website. A she-can woman has a bold vision for her career, challenges the status quo, is a fierce and innovative leader, is not afraid to break the rules and roles that have been keeping women back and replace them with practices that uphold everyone equally, is a role model She works hard to open the doors of opportunity for herself, but makes sure to keep the door open for other women who are following in her footsteps. Is that not beautiful? My favorite quote by Andrea McBride, by the way, and you will find this on my website through thegrapewine.com is, go to the places where you don't belong because someday you will. I very much felt this way when I started my podcast. Do I even belong here? Is this even my place? But then who's going to tell me that it's not? Maybe this is my place. Maybe I just don't know yet. Now, these are the featured women in this podcast episode. Again, check out their website for their wonderful wines. Now, if you are looking for a more budget wine, and I get that, You know, not everybody is going to go out and spend a ton of money on wine. Check out Grocery Outlet if you have to happen, if you happen to have one near you. Grocery Outlet often carries wines that were marked down significantly. I have found multiple really good wines there. I do often consult my wine.com app to look up the wine that I'm not familiar with. And I find that extremely helpful. And no, wine.com is not paying me for this information. I'm just trying to make wine shopping easier for my listeners. Another place, actually, and this just came to me, is Cost Plus World Market. They have really nice wine 
to purchase too. And they have, you know, a variety of prices, but um, you can get some pretty decent wine for not too much money and you can find international ones. You can find wines from the United States. So definitely a place that I would check out if you have a cost plus near you. And since we're talking about Thanksgiving, I just recently asked myself this question and then of course I had to look it up. Do you ever wonder if wine was consumed during the very first Thanksgiving? So chances are it wasn't. And here's a little bit of history for you before I sign off for the day. When the Mayflower set sail for America, there was definitely alcohol on board, though probably more beer than wine. Not just probably, guaranteed more beer than wine. There were 130 people on board and beer was the preferred beverage of choice because water was absolutely not drinkable in those days. It made you sick or worse. Assuming they also had some wine on board, which we don't really know, it probably never even saw the new world after 66 grueling days at sea. Think about that, 66 days to get from England to America. And if it did actually see the new world, it's very questionable that it lasted until the following year when they celebrated their very first Thanksgiving. I don't know exactly when wine became a staple at Thanksgiving, but over the past decades, the wine of choice has certainly changed. Once upon a time, Riesling was actually hailed the greatest wine to go with dinner, which I sort of understand. I mean, Riesling, especially if it's a nice dry Riesling, could go pretty well with the Thanksgiving dinner. Before then, it was Zinfandel. And so I'm going to just leave you with this. When it comes down to it, no matter what anybody says, including me, just drink what you like best. But, as always, be willing to branch out a little bit and expand your palate. Now, when will I be back with my next episode? Technically, the next date would be November 25th. That's Black Friday. So, some of you will be out there shopping for presents. I know I will not. I I have long ago decided that I'm never going to go out shopping on Black Friday because I got into a situation uh, a few years ago and it was unpleasant and there's no way that I'm going to do this to myself. Others will just awake from their food coma and yet others will be out there exercising. So I'm thinking... Maybe it'll be Wednesday the 23rd when I publish my next episode, or it might be the Monday after Thanksgiving. I have to also take into consideration that my eldest daughter is about to give birth. It's, you know, I mean, I have my phone next to me all the time, and it's always either on vibrate or loud so that I always know what's going on and and I don't miss it when she's telling me it's time to go to the hospital. So who knows what's even going to happen in the next couple of weeks as my assistance is required with babysitting and birth and, and all of that. 
I don't know, but I'll definitely post about it on social media. I will keep you guys in the loop. Please remember to follow me on Instagram or Facebook at Through the Grapevine. Again, you will find the links in the notes below. Subscribe to my handy dandy newsletter. Like I said, I have a little something up my sleeve and I'm excited to share it with you. And with that said, I feel like I said everything that I needed to say for today in less than 30 minutes. So how cool is that? <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you will share my podcast far and wide so we can gain a little bit of traction in the wine world. And with that, all I have left to say to you is post.